to us. Fires, touchdown Miami. Waddle snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play. They get it. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, feeling like I got hit by a bus, but we're going to soldier on because the draft preview series begins today. Joe Marino of the Draft Network is going to join us to talk about the offensive line class this year, where the Dolphins might be able to find some gems with those late day two and also day three picks. We'll also assess the Teron Armstead and Connor Williams additions here on this offensive line draft preview edition of the Drive Time Podcast from somewhere in South Florida. This is, you guessed it, the Drive Time Podcast. Miami Dolphins. Before we get cranking here with Joe Marino of the Draft Network talking all things 2022 NFL Draft across the offensive line, a couple of news items since we last spoke. Nick Needham, Dolphins cornerback, signed his second round tender. We discussed what that means on a couple of previous podcasts. The Dolphins also have a contract extension with Xavier Howard, and he'll be here for the foreseeable future as this Dolphins defense continues to stay intact and that defensive backfield continues to look as good on paper as there is in the National Football League. We're going to go ahead and save the breakdowns for those two guys in the secondary for Brett Coleman of the Film Room on YouTube. He'll do our defensive backs draft preview. We'll save that for him. We'll also save the Devontae Parker trade and the Dolphins receiver kind of recap of the the receiver room this offseason for Friday's episode, which is EJ Snyder of the Bootleg Podcast. Plenty of Really knowledgeable draft guests coming your way here on Drive Time. And with that, let's go ahead and kick off today's episode with offensive line guru, draft guru, Joe Marino. And joining me now on the Drive Time podcast, he's the host of the Locked On Bills podcast. We're not going to hold that against him. He works at the Draft Network. And if you want to hear him talk draft with his second favorite Dolphins fan, Kyle Krabs, that's a bit (laughs) of a jab there. Check out the Draft Dudes podcast. Joe Marino. Joe, what's happening, buddy? How's life? Travis, thanks for having me on. Everything is good here and um, excited to talk with you about um, an exciting up up and coming football team here in the Miami Dolphins. I know that might be hard for you to say, you know, being a Bills guy, but uh, we we feel pretty excited about where things have gone this offseason. And I do want to get into the draft here with you and, and particularly the offensive line as we kick off our draft series here on the Drive Time podcast. But I wanted to ask you a little bit of kind of some preambles about this offseason, particularly on the Dolphins offensive line. But first, you know, Joe, you, you do this every day for a living. I, I was around Kyle in Indy and I got to, a chance to see you for a little bit at the combine, but spent more time with Kyle and just kind of, I, I love picking your guys' brain about the whole job that you do in the process. And so what I'm trying to get at is you guys have so much knowledge across not just, you know, one fan base or one organization, the entire league. And so I was curious about how the Dolphins have kind of approached this this offseason. And then earlier this week, we saw the Saints and Eagles construct a big trade that basically put the Eagles' resources down the line. What do you think about that with how this draft stacks up, I guess, compared to next year's draft and teams kind of taking an approach of, let's get our resources to next year opposed to this year in the draft? It's a great question. And I honestly think it goes back to more about where the teams are in their life cycles and where they are as an organization in terms of, their regime, and less to do with the draft class. Because my 
critiques for this draft class are more so that we don't have quarterback talent at the top of the draft than me thinking that this isn't a good overall draft class. I think there's really good talent to be had throughout the first four rounds of the entire draft. And so I think the trades that we've seen are more rooted in the context of those individual teams than it is an indictment on what this entire draft class does and does not offer. And so you think about the Miami Dolphins in particular, this team has made a lot of draft picks over the last two, three years. And so for them, it was probably a really good opportunity to maybe push a little bit of that into next season, but also go out and add some proven veteran talent like a Tyreek Hill to this offense to maximize your opportunity to get something out of those draft picks. And so I just think it goes back to a team-by-team basis more than it does, okay, what does this draft class offer compared to future years? Because, you know, we talk about this a lot. I'm not sure that the NFL looks at future draft classes and considers any other position but quarterbacks. Right. I don't think you're going to sit here and say, well, we really like this running back, but we like the running backs more that are coming out next year. I think that is only a quarterback-driven factor, and so I just think it comes back to the teams and where they are in their life cycle. Yeah, that's that's really interesting because so much can change in a year, right? And it's gotten tenfold to that point over the last couple of years here in the National Football League. I had a mailbag question earlier this week in the podcast about you know, thinking about kicking down the road for, for certain positions or needs. And I said, don't draft for need because your needs are going to change every single year. And that maybe seems to be a, a more focused approach as far as what you just said. Now, you talked about the veteran additions to the offense. I want to talk about both Teron Armstead and Connor Williams here in just a second. But first, I want to go back to the incumbents. You mentioned, you know, the Dolphins had 11 top 100 picks the last two years, zero this year, and they'll have, I think, five more in 2023. It's, it's pretty crazy how they've, hit, how they've gotten these resources in-house and, and spent them and used them. But with Austin Jackson, Liam Eikenberg, Michael Dieter, and Robert Hunt, four highly drafted players over the last three years, how do you think this new potential system, new coaching staff, Mike McDaniel's you know, run-heavy oriented system, how can it benefit those guys that have been drafted recently here at the Miami Dolphins? Well, I think it gives them a great opportunity for them to unlock their potential. And you mentioned three players there in particular, and Michael Dieter, Robert Hunt, and Liam Eikenberg that I liked a ton coming out of college and had pretty high grades on all three of them. And I, I viewed them as at least average NFL starting caliber players. And you think about the factors that have ex- existed in Miami, whether it's been a lot of shifts in coaching and scheme and those types of things that that doesn't allow these offensive linemen their best opportunity to develop. And I think given the the pedigree that exists with Mike McDaniel running the football, how many offensive linemen you've seen kind of come up in that Shanahan scheme that is heavily going to be influenced in what we see Mike McDaniel do with the Miami Dolphins. And I think it's going to give those players a real opportunity to take a step and deliver on some of the promise that existed when these guys were drafted. And so I, I get excited for those players under this new circumstance, totally different when it comes to coaching the players around them, the scheme. And I think it's going to give them a real chance to take a step. And, you know, I don't think we talk about that enough. Whenever we consider why teams may improve, we talk about what's new. What do they bring in? Right. A lot of that conversation should go back to the development of the players that you already have. And, you know, just as much as adding a player like a Tyreek Hill 
and adding a, a Teron Armstead and a Connor Williams is going to help the Miami Dolphins get better. So is those young players taking a step. And I think we can reasonably look at where they've been and where they are now and think that there's a really good environment in place for them to take a step and really elevate their play and in turn elevate the team. Joe, my audience is going to think that was a coached up answer because I probably do two or three podcasts a year where I talk about the best way to improve your football team is with the (laughs) incumbent growth that you have. So I love hearing you mention that. And, you know, I I gave you four guys right there. The Dolphins added two more this offseason via free agency and two really good veteran players. And I know you know about Teron Armstead. I know you know about Connor Williams. But, you know, the other guys you mentioned could possibly compete for the rest of the jobs there. And that gives you more depth and more flexibility, obviously. But you talk about coaching helping young players and Obviously, that goes a long way. But what about Teron Armstead? What what exactly did the Dolphins get in him? Not just as a player, but as a, a person that can come in and make everybody in the offensive line room better. I think that's been my favorite part of this free agency period. And really, every free agent period is where suddenly you're learning about players a little bit more than you would have in the past because they're going to be changing teams. And because of that, you have to kind of do some research and learn more about players. And I've always known that Teron Armstead is a, terrific left tackle and you know one of the better left tackles in the entire NFL what I didn't know and what I've learned over the last few months in learning about the free agent class is just how much of a of a team-centric player he is and you know the leadership and just how he connects with teammates and how important football is to him I've, I've really gained a big time appreciation for those intangibles that come with Teron Armstead everybody knows he's going to come in and be a top-tier left tackle for the Miami Dolphins I don't think we're giving enough consideration and talking enough about the person that they brought in. And when you're talking about a new coaching staff, you know, a big part of that is being able to have veterans on your team that can connect the message of the coaching staff to the locker room. And when you introduce a guy like Teron Emstead, you know that that's going to be a great ambassador for this coaching staff to really help set the standard and connect that messaging from the coaching staff in the locker room. And so Again, a phenomenal player, but also a phenomenal person to come in and help get this Miami Dolphins team going based on what he's proven in the past and just how he's wired in terms of that football character and how much he loves it and how much of a leader he is. I get the sense that he might have a coaching career after his playing career if he wants it. I mean, you watch those O-line mastermind videos, man. He's he's one hell of a teacher, and he really can explain the way he does things in, in a really positive way. It's fun to watch those, and I got a chance to meet him, obviously, and, and kind of felt that, too, being up close and personal with him. And, you know, you mentioned your favorite, you know, move of the offseason or favorite part of the offseason. It, it kind of felt like Armstead got maybe, maybe a little bit buried because the Tyreek Hill trade happened the next day. But to me, that's that's one of the biggest moves the Dolphins have made in quite a while to get some some assurity at that left tackle position. But before that, they also brought someone in that played left guard for Dallas. We'll see where he winds up on this Dolphins offensive line. But Connor Williams, I know that he was you know in the draft cycle four years ago, so right in your wheelhouse. How does his uh, college profile and then where he's kind of grown through four years match up or stack up, I should say, for you, Joe? Yeah, I was a big fan of Connor Williams coming out, and I always kind of thought, you know, he's college left tackle. I thought he'd probably be a better guard in the NFL, and that's exactly what has come together. And I think Miami's kind of the beneficiaries of Dallas wanting to reset their salary cap situation a little bit, and so Connor Williams is exposed to the open market. The the Dolphins pounce, and they get themselves a really good scheme fit. Right? They like they're going to like it's it's going to be a big shift here with the style of offense that they run and, and a wide zone rushing attack. And, you know, that lateral mobility and range that a guy like Connor Williams can give you 
is obviously going to be important for widening rushing lanes and working laterally and creating space in the run game. But when you want to get this guy pulling and getting out in space, I mean, that's something that he's going to be able to do at a high level because he's so athletic and has that range, which, oh, by the way, shows up as a pass blocker. And so you kind of go into this offseason and, and everyone's talking, all right, what's Miami going to do to improve this offensive line? And I thought they got two rock-solid veterans on great contracts in Teron Armstead and Connor Williams to jumpstart this this offense and um, allow them to consider different combinations with some of the other young talent and set everyone up, set everyone up here to succeed and play their best football. No, I love that point about having some balance there with veteran leadership and younger guys and kind of mixing it all together, then hopefully get the right stew there at the end of the day. So let's go ahead and take our first break here. Joe, we'll come back on the other side and we'll get into this draft class here on the offensive line. Joe Marino, my guest today on the drive time podcast brought to you by auto nation. Segment number two, the B block, as we call it here on the Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield. I am joined today by Joe Marino of the Draft Network, Draft Dudes Podcast, Locked on Bills. He's everywhere. And Joe, real quick, the, the book you just authored, is, is it out yet? And, and what is that exactly? It's coming out. Uh, okay. It's going to start shipping in August. Uh, but it is, it's called Go Bills. And it's basically cover to cover the history of the Buffalo Bills, where I tell the story of every single season and, um, you know, go 1960 all the way through 2021 and tell the story of each season. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a really fun project and it, and it comes out later this year. I'm looking forward to it, man. Even though I'm not a Bills fan, I, I love reading my buddy's work. And it's I just saw that and was so happy you got the opportunity to do it. And we talked about it at the Combine a little bit. It's just a really cool project you got your hands on there. And I'm sure that uh, the Bills Bills Mafia, as it were, is going to be thrilled that you were behind that project. So we got you on here, Joe, to talk some offensive line prospects. And again, it's, it's a different year for us, at least as long as I've been in this job. We've always had a billion draft picks. Not the case this year, but I think Dolphins fans are pretty happy with the reason why we don't have those draft picks. But I wanted to ask this as kind of a theme to all these interviews I do in the draft run up here. I'm curious what your film watching process is like, Joe, because I, the more I ask people about it, the more fascinated I am by it. Cause you know, like I know your guys' old buddy, Ben Solak would like hammer like three packages of pepperoni every week <laughs> or every time he sat down and watched film. But what does your film watching process look like? Well, it's the first thing I do every day. And, and I attack every single day and I start with the most important thing that I do. And I think the most important thing that I do when it's, it's that period of time where I'm evaluating players to start with film. And so I wake up with a fresh mind and uh, I get myself a, a cup of hot green tea. And we are, we are at the, uh, at the desk here by five fifteen five twenty AM grinding tape to start every single day. And so I think that's the first thing that I would say is I think it's an essential part of my process and I prioritize the most important thing that I do every day first. And so when it is evaluation season, number one, I, I, I start with it. And it's, it's, it's attacked with a fresh mind. And I just try to, you know, clear my mind, get rid of any uh, preconceived notions. I don't try to create prospects based on what I've heard or what I've read or what other people are saying about these players. I, 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 empty, I start with an a empty slate and get to know the players and let them speak to me. I think that's what's most important is don't create a prospect. What does the tape tell you? Take notes, turn it into a report. And that's kind of a general overview of my process. And then obviously I try to go through and, you know, there's certain matchups that I want to see, right? If I look at the, the games that they played and say, oh, they, they went up against this player or this style of, of offense or defense. And from there I set the, the watch list. But 
Um, it's it's about matchups, a clear mind, and starting my day with it. That's really that's really informative and really interesting. And I, I'm always blown away by the early morning folks because I'm not one of those. I'm I'm more likely to watch <laughs> at 2 a.m. than I am at you know 5 a.m. And it's it's not waking up at 2 a.m. It's still being awake at 2 a.m. So especially you know you know you and I I think we both have. Uh, daughters in the similar age range too, so being yeah. newer fathers as well kind of plays into that. So very fascinating, Joe. But um, you know, I was I, I saw this question on a uh, the bootleg podcast with Brett Coleman and EJ Snyder, and I wanted to put it to you because I thought it was a great way to get into this kind of where the Dolphins kick off their draft at pick 102 for the fans that wanted a you know whether it's a Trevor Penning or a Tyler Lenderbaum or Zion Johnson, one of those first round type of prospects. Who's a guy at either the inside or the outside, you know, interior or tackle positions, do you think could kind of fit some of the molds of those types of top-level players? Like, if you can't get Trevor Penning, you can possibly get this guy in round number three. Do you have those kind of satellite later-round picks that you like in that range for the Miami Dolphins? Oh, man, I've got a lot of football (laughs) players that I like in that range. Uh, I'd like to start with Cole Strange, a... He played left guard at Chattanooga, uh, played some center at the Senior Bowl. He is so fun to watch. And when you think, you know, Miami Dolphins, wide zone, lateral mobility, guys that can win in space, I really like how Cole Strange fits that. And, you know, you wonder about the level of competition with a guy like Cole Strange. Watch him play against Kentucky. He was absolutely a dominant football player against SEC competition and I love his temperament, the way he gets after people, the way he takes advantage of angles, uh, the way he he gets into space and pulls. I think he's a really rock-solid run blocker. And, um, you know, he's got good overall hand usage as a, a pass blocker. And so when you're talking like mid-round developmental type player, maybe an eventual starter, you know, that's that's a name that definitely pops for me that profiles as more of an interior offensive lineman. On the, on the tackle side of things, uh, let me introduce a name here to you, Matt Waletsko out of North Dakota. He was a senior bowl guy, and I was excited to see him at the senior bowl because I watched his tape at North Dakota, not North Dakota State, North Dakota. And, you know, he's obviously dominating. And you're wondering, okay, well, what does this guy look like against the best competition? And I thought he answered that question at the senior bowl. And he's got some nasty to him. He's got some good length, and he's got that lateral mobility and overall range that I think you know, the Miami Dolphins are going to covet. And so as a guy that, you know, a couple guys that come from the small schools with length, lateral mobility, good block temperament, those are a couple of my favorite, you know, you're talking right about that pick 100 range, give or take a few on either side. And, and those are my favorite. That's probably my favorite interior offensive lineman and my favorite offensive tackle that I think uh, the Dolphins could target in that range. I'm glad you cleared up the Matt Waletsky, Waletsko College because in my Senior Bowl prep podcast, I hadn't heard of him yet and I hadn't started working him up yet. And I think I said that, oh man, North Dakota State, the off- or offensive tackle you produces another one here. But I, yeah, that's not correct, obviously. So I'm glad you cleared that up. But then also on the interior, Cole Strange. I've had now Jordan Reed, you know him, you guys are good buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah and someone else, I forgot who it was all mentioned Cole Strange as well in that range. So that might be the strange range right there at round pick 100 or so. So now moving further past that, and again, the Dolphins don't have any of their original draft picks. They have four picks this year, and none of them were inherently theirs. They were traded picks that came over in deals. And, you know, every year, Joe, it seems like one guy in that fifth or sixth round range, and for whatever reason, one of those guys pops, it seems like. Last year, Trey Smith was a guy that fell, and that was because of a checkered medical history, and he came into the league and instantly became one of the top guards. Who is that guy for you this year? And it could be guard or tackle. 
I'm not necessarily going to give you a player that I think is going to, that we're thinking about as a, a top first, second round pick that I think falls. I'm going to give you a player. I think that is appropriately in that next range that I think can come in and at a minimum be a very, very versatile backup, but a guy that you just, the more you watch, you say, well, why can't he start? And that's Zach Tom out of wake forest, uh, 34 game starter for the demon Deacons. He played left tackle and center but I think he can play any spot, any spot, any of the five spots. I think he can give it to you because he's a such a controlled operator, plays with consistent leverage, very balanced. And he's, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't call him robotic, but every rep looks the same because he's so consistent with his technique. He frames blocks, he gets his hands fit, he leverages his hips, and he keeps his feet engaged, whether it's pass block or run block. And to me, you know, you, you think about some of these guys that you feel like can play any spot, and that almost keeps them off the field because they're so valuable as a reserve. But like I said, you just keep watching him play, and you're like, wow, this guy is so consistent that maybe he can force the issue and get himself on the field as a starter. And so, you know, look, I think he can certainly add a little bit more functional strength, um, you know, spend a little bit more time in the weight room, those types of things. But the technical refinement, the consistency in his game – is something that I really appreciate and obviously the versatility. So he's one of my favorite kind of next tier players that deserves some more hype that I think has a really bright future ahead of him. Two first names. That's, that's the kind of guy that will go down and you're like, Zach Tom, that's just such a generic name. It sounds like you put him in a Madden game or something and just threw up a creative <laughs> name on there. But I, I love the insight there. Now, would you consider, I know you said all five spots, but is he inside first, outside first? And, and if whatever he is, what would be your opposite like so that's a horrible question if you call him a guard what would be your tackle in that same range or vice versa yeah so I think with with Zach um he probably from a body type and length perspective profiles better on the interior and so while he you know certainly he's on my radar because of his work as a left tackle at Lake Forest I think from a body type perspective we should think of him as an interior player which opens up the opportunity for us to talk about a true offensive tackle. And the player I want to introduce here is Dare Rosenthal from Kentucky. And Travis, I got to tell you, Dare Rosenthal might be, might be the best athlete among any of the offensive linemen in this class. I mean, he is a special mover. He can, he's explosive into contact and he's got tremendous range. And he was at LSU and then he transferred to Kentucky for his, his final season. And, He's got some really high-level tape. He's got some nasty to him, the way that he likes to create displacement in the run game. And he's very, very active in pass protection in terms of how aggressive he is to get his hands on people. Now, he's got to clean up some technique stuff. It can be a little bit frenetic at times. But I think the overall physical gifts that exist with Adari Rosenthal gives him a chance to be one of those day three steals that goes to a team and everybody wonders why he fell because he's an impact starter in the NFL. So he's got to work out the technique, get a little bit more control of his frame, but there's a lot of developmental appeal when it comes to Dari Rosenthal from Kentucky. You mentioned Kentucky there. That's, that's a team that I've been kind of keeping my eye on because of their offensive coordinator last year, Liam Cohen back with the Rams now. So that's a good, a, a good idea as far as playing in kind of more of a wide zone stretch type of scheme that they had there at Kentucky. And you mentioned playing at LSU, obviously, uh, tells you about what his his pre-college prospects were as well. So, Joe, i got a couple more questions for you. We're going to take our last break, come back on the other side here on Drive Time with Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. 
Joe Marino, my guest, put a bow on this offensive line preview of the 2022 NFL Draft. All right, back here on the Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield. We are presented by Auto Nation. I'm joined today by Joe Marino of the Draft Network, Draft Dudes Podcast, and Locked On Bills. And Joe, you know, you've kind of checked these boxes a little bit. I'm going to keep kind of pressing the, the, the issue here because, you know, I keep going back to this. I, I asked Daniel Jeremiah his uh, pre-combine annual conference call. That's a mouthful to get out. I, I asked him about what type of offensive lineman to look for for the Miami Dolphins. And he, he told me two things that I just keep going back to guys that are smart and guys that can move. And you've really kind of checked those boxes in your evaluations here, as far as the names you've given us. But I just want to see if you can unload the notebook and give us a couple more guys beyond that top 100 or so that you'd like that fit that criteria. Yeah. The next name that I would bring up is Obina easy out of TCU. He was at Memphis to start his career and then transferred over to TCU and I, I, he's a player that excites me because he's got physical traits. And when we're talking about, you know, kind of later round guys, I always want to bet on guys that, hey, look, maybe their tape's a little uneven, but they give me physical tools, unteachable things that I can work with and maybe iron out some of those things that are more teachable. And so with Obena Easy, you know, he started a bunch of games, over 30 games for his career. Um and you see the length, you see the lateral mobility, you see the, the desire to get his hand fits and, and play with some physicality. But I just think it comes back to, you know, he's not really been developed. And, you know, at Memphis and even at TCU, there wasn't a lot of technique coaching. You can kind of tell where, you know, rolling your hips into contact and taking vertical sets in the passing game, like those things are going to be kind of new to him. But the physical package there is very, very intriguing to me. And I think he'd be a very clean projection to a scheme like we anticipate the, the Miami Dolphins running. So I, I like the, the, the pedigree here in a number of ways. You know, he's uh, originally a Nigerian native. And so, you know, football is a little bit new to him. He didn't play varsity football until his senior season uh, of high school. And so, you know, there's a lot of untapped potential there, and that gets me excited when we're talking late-round prospects. I love the the international expansion that the NFL has is, is kind of seen the last couple of years and getting more guys that are, are starting football at that point in their lives and coming over to the States and, and playing at a high level quickly. It's, it's really cool to see. And, Joe, I, we talked a lot about, you know, day, th- day two, day three prospects, and that's why we love you, man, having you on here to do this. It's, it's rare to be able to get this type of in-depth coverage on guys, you know, picks 100 and beyond. But I wouldn't send you out of here without talking about possibly some top-of-the-line prospects. We'll go ahead and finish up here. If there was one player for a fit for the Miami Dolphins on the offensive line that would be worth using capital to go back up into the top 100 and going after and attacking, who would that guy be? All right, so we're talking about going back up in the top 100. We're not talking about getting towards, like, the top well, of no. the draft. <laughs> we're not going to spend future <laughs> ones or anything like that. But if, if right, you could go up, like, say, in mid-second round or something like that, like that range. How- how galaxy brain can we get here? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> um, a player that I love. I, I just feel like there's a level of consistency that you're going to get from this guy. It's Dylan Parham from Memphis. He's a rock solid football player, uh, played right guard for Memphis. And he's funny. He, he played linebacker and tight end in high school. He put, he was also a basketball player and a track. He, he was in the uh, track and field, but he didn't, you know, when you think football player, track and field lineman, you're thinking, you know, shot put discus. No, this guy was a sprinter and a jumper. <laughs> yeah. All right. So he's got some athleticism uh, behind him. And so he goes to Memphis to play tight end. And then he moved to the offensive line in the spring of 2018 and winds up being a four-year starter 
at Memphis and, and two first two seasons at left guard, third season at right tackle, and then 2021 was at right guard. And um, he played some center at the Senior Bowl, and so you, this is a guy that you really feel like can play a number of spots for you. I like him as a guard. Uh, he gets after people in the run game, nimble feet. He's got pretty good length for his, you know, for for an interior player. Uh, always square, good temperament. He really, you know, he has a physical nature about him. He'll create displacement in the run game, but he's not stiff. You know, this isn't like a drive blocker that can't move. He can get lateral as well, and he's got good range. And, you know, I think he's a rock-solid starter that someone's going to take probably, you know, in that 50 to 75 range and winds up being a, a really outstanding pro. And so I think my favorite, if, if, if I was on any podcast talking about any team and they said, you know, who's that mid-day two player that you would, you know, target as a starter that just has rock-solid traits and some, some upward mobility to get better, I think I'm going to give the, the answer of Dylan Parham every single time. He's a stud. That's your guy. Is that your guy? He's my guy. I love it. I oh, love yeah. it. Joe, you said it all, my friend. I, I really appreciate that. You guys going to be in Vegas for the draft this year? We'll be in Vegas the entire week, Sunday to Sunday. Wow. So it's going to be fun. I'm sure you got lots going on before the draft starts, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, never stops, man. <laughs> well, looking forward to May, but uh, obviously I love this time of year. Well, hopefully you can enjoy a nice vacation, maybe get a Mai Tai somewhere. Come down here. Come to South Florida and spend some time in the, in the hot, hot heat down here. He is Joe Marino, Draft Dudes, Locked on Bills, the Draft Network. Joe, keep killing it, man. I love seeing you do big things, and you guys at the Draft Network doing big things. We'll talk to you down the line here. Sound good, man? All right. Thanks so much for having me, Travis. And there he goes, Joe Marino from the Draft Network. Great stuff there, giving you guys some information on this offensive line class and so much in-depth detail about potential day two, day three prospects that could be on the board and have an impact on whoever, whatever team I should say they go to in the 2022 NFL Draft. All right, that's going to be my time today. Up next, we'll have EJ Snyder from the Bootleg Football Podcast talking wide receivers. You won't want to miss that. That's a Friday episode here on Drive Time. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingful NFL, Instagram at Wingful NFL as well. You can follow the Miami Dolphins on all social channels at Miami Dolphins. Check out the YouTube channel for our media availabilities. We're going to have those coming up here as the offseason program comes along at, at OTAs and that type of thing. So don't miss those. Dolphins today as well. And of course, all the drive time free agent interviews that we had back during free agency. The Fish Tank podcast with Seth and OJ. Don't forget to check those guys out. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Caroline, daddy is coming home. Twitter spaces tonight as well. Miami Dolphins podcast network Twitter spaces. Check it out. 8 o'clock tonight.